All right, Justin, sing me your favorite song that has no words to it. A favorite song that has no words. Um, how about the Mario theme? That's a classic. There you go. I suppose that works. Unless you wanted to sing the theme song for the old animated show. I just oh, think that'd be see, funny. That has, that has lyrics, though. Oh, Ooh, I know. Mario Brothers I just think it'd and be plumbers funny. are games. We're not like the others who get all the fame. If your sinker's in trouble, you can call us on the double. Hang it with the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Yo. You know the words. That's amazing. Of course I do. I'm a Mario maniac. I know just about everything Mario. Justin just always remembers these fucking random ass things, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You remember a lot, especially when it comes to song lyrics. So, all right, Heather, your turn. Yeah. Sing me your favorite song with no lyrics to it. The Office. Oh, I feel like that's so disingenuous, though, because you didn't watch that until recently. Yeah, but I did watch it, and very quickly, because I realized how good it was. But I just don't know if that's if it's recency bias or not. Are you singing that song because that was, like, the last one you can remember? Or is it because it really is your favorite? Hmm. No, it brings me joy, hearing that song. <laughs> I know it brings me and Justin joy. Yeah, it brings me joy, too. I'm surprised now you didn't that sing I've, Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> well, I like Game of Thrones. I just, I don't like the song from it that much. It's too long. <laughs> How do you not like that song? And it does have words to it, Justin. Because the Game of Thrones song is Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones song, Game of Thrones song, Game of Thrones song. Mm, yeah. <laughs> huh? No, but I... I <laughs> it's a joke, Justin. Office... If you didn't notice, I sang the rhythm of the song, saying Game of Thrones song. Oh, oh. <laughs> so lost okay i was like uh is there a song called game of thrones that i don't know about i was about to be mad no you didn't tell me about this okay that's just what i My do bad. pretty much every time i actually watch that intro i go game of thrones song game of thrones song game of thrones song it does go though game of thrones song game of thrones song game of thrones song game of thrones game of thrones game of thrones game of thrones game i guess it could kind of go <laughs> yeah that's awesome. what i do i say game of thrones song and game of thrones like just throughout it to the rhythm because it fits almost everywhere in that fucking song i like that no but now that i've seen the office it brings me joy so that was a genuine mm. song with no words I don't know. Justin, verdict. Man, we can't give a minus point on something about The Office, man. Come on now. We're not, we're not, we're not going to play that game today. All she right. said The All Office. Right. It's got to be correct. I think if she really thought about it, and it was truly like in her heart of hearts of what her favorite song was, like that, and she was really going to go to a, a theme song for a show, I think that it would have been the one from Parks and Rec. If she was truly honest with herself. <laughs> you know, I I don't hate that one, but it's a little bit longer than the office one. And the office one's a little bit more catchy, you know? All right. All right. You both get points. 
I mean, I'm in a very giving mood right now anyway. So, yes, points mm-hmm. are bound. And by Great. that, I mean you only still get one each. I will take it. So, on that note, cue the theme music. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are talking about a very different movie, a very newer movie. We are talking about the Nicolas Cage instant classic, Willy's Wonderland. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie. And as always, we will go spoiler-free, recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the bottom to allow you to jump around if you so desire. Now with that, Jastin, give me your spoiler-free thoughts about Willy's Wonderland. All right. So really for me, this was just one of those kind of really campy, kind of B-movie fun type of movies. So... If that's what you're in the mood for, this is the kind of mindless fun that I think you're looking for. And that's really honestly what this is. This is, I mean, the premise is Nicolas Cage fights um, giant, like, prosthetic animal monster things in um, in a kid's play, like, play store, I guess almost like a... Chuck E. Cheese or a, a kind of like a kid's amusement place. So that's kind of your premise. So, I mean, obviously, if you're, <laughs> you, you, you probably shouldn't go into this expecting anything but what I just said, mindless fun. And and I think it does deliver on that. It's got kind of an 80s kind of grindhouse kind of feel to it. I think that the cinematography was was pretty cool. Um and yeah, and it's got Nicolas Cage pretty much doing what he does best, you know, uh, being Nicolas Cage. And um, he's got a certain type of charisma, I think. He's got kind of just a way about himself that's very distinct. So and and here he gets to really he gets to really showcase that. And in an interesting way, because his character doesn't speak. So um, so. But still, it's very, very Nicolas Cage with the looks that he gives the camera and just everything like that. So if you're one of those people where you, you know, you love Nicolas Cage, he can do no wrong. And you like kind of this 80s campy kind of grindhouse. I guess you could say it's got horror elements, kind of dark uh, humor type of stuff. I think this is the movie for you. So overall, um, I didn't think it was a great movie or anything like that. I, it doesn't, um, I don't think it, it, there's nothing new here. There's nothing here that really stands out from the plethora of movies that we get like this other than maybe the premise. Um, but, but as far as the material, I think it's a fun enough ride for th- that people will like it. And it's got the ingredients to probably be a cult classic when it's all said and done. So, yeah, pretty fun movie for me. 
Heather, what about you? Well, this movie is definitely an acquired taste. I will say that much about it. It's, I mean, the, really the the best word I can really use to describe it is just weird <laughs> or trippy, <laughs> you know, like it's, and I'm not saying it's like a terrible movie. And I do think amusing is a good way to describe it because they're, you know, as odd and strange and pretty much ridiculous as most of this movie is, it's amusing. You know, I kind of liken it a little bit to like a, like in the, the vein of the Thanks Killing movies, where it's just absolutely ridiculous in almost every way you can think of. But you have a little bit of fun while you're watching it. So it's, I mean, and this is definitely way on the higher end of that. Like it's, it's leaps and bounds better than Thanks Killing, but just kind of that vein of campy is probably the right word for it, but it's, it's amusing, but it's just really, it's very trippy. And it's, it's something that you, you have to really enjoy those types of, you know, low, I don't know if I want to say low rent, but just very like, you know, it's not a lot of, you know, crazy action or effects or whatever. It's action. But, you know, it's very basic um, stuff that's going on. And it's, it's a, it's a unique story. It's original. I've never in my life heard of a movie about some, something like this before, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those where you, you really going into it, you just, you got to know it's going to be, um, ridiculous, a ridiculous, but pretty fun ride regardless. And Nicolas Cage is very, he, he is definitely the best part about this movie. And I, you know, I have a weird, a weird relationship with my thoughts on Nicolas Cage because there are moments when he does really good stuff. Most of his moments, he does not, not these days, but this is a movie, no offense, but this is a movie where he actually was the best thing about this movie. And you know, I I actually appreciated some specific things about him in this movie that we will get into, but it's just yeah, as a whole, you you I watched this movie and I'm just like, well, that was that was a thing. That was definitely a thing that happened. But um it it was I, I did catch myself laughing and being pretty amused at a lot of the parts of it, but yeah, it's um it's weird, but it's somewhat fun if you're if you like that vein of, you know, campy, cheesy, ridiculous um horror comedy type things, then you'll like this. It's 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 entertaining enough. So that's what my initial thoughts are on it. I am slightly offended by both of you. Oh boy. Instant classic. <laughs> In every shape of the word or definition of the word or however you want to fucking phrase it. This instantly upon first viewing is on my all time favorite movies list. Hands down. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a callback to 80s camp. I think it is a reinvention of cinema as we know it. You have the main star of this movie. One Sir Nicholas Cage himself. And he doesn't say a fucking word. Not one, this entire movie. 
and he turns in one of the single most Nicolas Cage acting performances that has ever been captured. This movie takes Nicolas Cage and just gives you full on just peak Nick Cage with no dialogue. And it just kind of, when I watched this movie and this movie ended, it really made me ponder about how bad jujitsu fucked up. They had Nicolas Cage. They had dialogue and they blew it. This movie had Nicolas Cage gave him no words and go, you be you, bro. And he was every bit of his glorious self. I do think that this technically would fall under a horror movie. This would fall under your, your, your slasher flicks, if you will, per se, if that's how you really want to define it. I think this movie belongs in a category of itself. I think this movie is the Willy's Wonderland genre that it created unto the world. It, I think, has a very unique style. I like the way the puppets, I like the way they animated the puppets. I know a few episodes ago, I complained about how I'm tired of seeing robots bleed in movies. And then this movie comes along and has robot gore abounds and reinvigorates me. I love it. I need more movies with robot blood now. How does it do that? I was tired of it. Transformers and G Godzilla vs. Kong had ruined that aspect of my life for me. The idea of robots bleeding. And then along comes this beautiful gem of a movie named Willy's Wonderland. And now I need more. This movie, I think, in my heart of hearts, is one of the most special things a human being could ever watch in their life. <laughs> and... I didn't say one of the best parts. Apparently, I was wrong about St. Maud. I thought 84 minutes was the perfect length for a movie. Apparently, I can handle an extra three minutes. <laughs> and 87. Ooh. Ooh, it felt so good. I have never had 87 minutes of my life feel as good as this movie. I, I, I think if you took 87 different individual minutes throughout my life, my 35 plus years of existence... I don't think you could find 87 individual moments or minutes throughout my life. Wow. Feel as good as the 87 minutes I watched with this movie. You have been spoiled with your movie times lately. Oh, it's been so fucking glorious. These last two movies, man, just chef's kiss. I mean, mwah, I love it. I have, I've already watched Willie's Wonderland three times this week. I have watched this fucking movie three times. This will really? be, yes, I watched it technically Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday. Wait, what is today? Th yeah, Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This movie is now going to be in my rotation of movies that I watch all the time. If I had just watched this movie by myself and we weren't doing it for an episode, I'd probably have to figure out a way to change my essentials list to make sure this movie got on there. I cannot express how deeply changed my life is because of this movie. Wow. I mean, in a lot of ways, this movie is what did with Nicolas Cage for me what jujitsu was supposed to do. I mean, like we talked about on that episode, you've got Nicolas Cage and the premise is using jujitsu against a space alien that could take over the world and kill us all. And they wasted him. And then this movie went Nicolas Cage to fight demon robots to save a small town and nailed it. Just nailed it. Also... Nicolas Cage's acting performance in this, I think is kind of also a PSA 
for maybe the good effects of cocaine. Like this movie is trying to bring it back because there are times you can tell he was on some cocaine. And, you know, typically I'm against that. I know we've talked about sometimes whenever like in the 80s, I'm like, oh, they were just doing mountains of cocaine and I'm all for it. Well, yeah, because that was the 80s. Like everything was just obviously dipped in cocaine. He's bringing it back. Oh, he's bringing it back. (laughs) I just I've got so many things to say about this movie. Uh, let's go to recommendations and scores real quick so we can move on. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a button. Recommendations and scores. All right, Heather, start us off. I mean, mostly my thought is, sure, why not? <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not in the zone of don't watch this. It's awful. Because like I said, it's entertaining enough. Like it's it's amusing and I can see the appeal that people do have of it. I'm definitely not as high on this movie as Sterling is, clearly. I'm not really sure anybody can be <laughs> after that after that. But um yeah, it's it's amusing enough, so sure, why not? I mean, it's if you want like I think sort of what Jastin said, where he said, you know, if you want just like some kind of mindless humor type of movie this is you know this will do the trick so it has moments that are funny and honestly nick cage is very um i guess intriguing in this movie there's just something about how he is and what he does in this movie that you know it's it's got some kind of effect some kind of quality some kind of charm to it or charisma i guess is the word so um so yeah i guess also if you're a nick cage fan go for it um, I, you know, for me, I, I don't think that it's necessarily on the, it's almost right on the fence for me as well <laughs> as, um, you know, some of our other ones we've had lately, but I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't dislike it. So again, I'm going to have to be just sort of right in the middle of the road with this one. And I'm going to give it 50 broken down cars so that you have to spend the night in a haunted Chuck E. Cheese out of a hundred. What was that number? Fifty. Fifty? Five zero? Yes. Five zero. <laughs> yes. I know you're gonna factor that into the final score you give, so fifty. I just want to make sure I heard you right. Five zero. Yes. Not a six zero, a five zero. Correct. Astounding. Justin, go. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think that, you know, if this if this kind of movie is your cup of tea, then that's exactly what's promised and that's what's advertised and that's exactly what it is. If you liked the B-movie, grindhouse, 80s-style kind of slasher flicks and stuff like that, then that's exactly what this is. If you're, you know, somebody that likes those types of films, then... That's really what you get here. Um, as far as people who maybe, you know, if the, if this isn't your thing or it's something where you're just like, oh, you maybe you're looking for something different. I, I just don't know. I, I just feel like there are so many movies like this, but they're, I, I would just, I guess I would just say they're a little bit better written than this, where like, I think you probably get more entertainment for your buck because there, there there are just so many movies like this. But, and, and this one, I feel like the premise stands out. But beyond that and beyond Nicolas Cage, there's not really a lot here memorable for me to, to 
as far as replay value for me anyway. And I'll get into some specific things uh, whenever we get into the spoiler section. But for me, I feel like this is just one of those where this is a, you know, this is good for a good watch. You get a group of people, you're laughing or whatever. Maybe you're drunk or something. You're laughing at this or whatever. And then I don't know what purpose it serves beyond that. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but I think, but like I said, if you're one of those people who you swear by Nicolas Cage and he can do no wrong, um, yes, he can wicker man. Um, and, and you feel, and you feel like, you know, this is, you're a big fan of him and you just want to see Nicolas Cage do his thing. He does plenty of that in this. And I think that you will enjoy his performance in this because it is a little different from his other performances. So yeah, that's kind of where I landed with it. This is, this is okay that this is decent. Um, but, but I don't think it's a great movie and, and I'll have some specifics in the spoiler section. So for me, we're going to go with 60, uh, what were those things called? The punch pops that seemed to power up the janitor so he could, Clean up Willie's Wonderland out of a hundred. <laughs> I'm sorry, Justin. What was that number again? <laughs> sixty. Sixty. So a fifty and a sixty. Six, oh. Mm-hmm. I'm just at an absolute loss of words, guys. <laughs> I feel like this is Kroll all over again. <laughs> I mean, betrayal. I mean, Justin claims claims that there are other movies just like this. There is nothing like this. He claims that there are movies better written than this. I, I don't even see how that's possible. <laughs> I mean, yes, Nicolas Cage can do wrong, but some things he just does so right. <laughs> and this movie was one of them. I mean, this movie is special. I think this should be required viewing for every human on earth. I think when you start school, your first day of school ever, when you first attend an educational institution, even if it is homeschooling, this should be what you do on the first day of that. And every year since, like, like henceforth after that, for all of humanity, I think if we all did that, and we all watched this movie, we'd finally achieve world peace. <laughs> I think this movie is, is profound in its ways. I think this movie redefines what a movie can and should be. And you guys just hurt me so. <laughs> hurt me so. All right, score for this movie. I will give this movie a combined total of your scores. This movie gets a 110 knives through, or not even knives, swords, and paling through a guy as he stares at an animatronic weasel out of 100. Spoilers? Go for it. Make the sound. Spoilers. I don't know if we watched the same movie, guys. I mean, Heather's sitting over there saying, thanks killing vibes. Justin's over there saying, other movies are like this and better written. I just don't feel like we watched the same movie. You guys watched a movie, right? Where Nicolas Cage gets trapped in a place called Willy's Wonderland and the animatronics fight him while he says no words. You watched the same movie, right? <laughs> yes, that is correct. I just don't understand. I'm actually going to postpone my spoiler segment because I need to hear you guys more. Because I am so utterly befuddled by your lack of enthusiasm for the masterpiece we have received. I know that I am one of those people 
that I really kind of hated always when people refer to movies and films as art. And then this movie came out. <laughs> and I went, oh, art. I see it now. Justin was calling this a grindhouse film. And to me, it is art house because it is art. So, Heather, what are your spoiler-centric comments? I mean, to start off, I will say I don't disagree. I do actually really love Nicolas Cage in this. I think he's great in this. I think that what he does, like, he does more acting in this than I've seen him in a lot of things. <laughs> like, he doesn't even, and I do love the fact that he says no words in the entire thing. I think that's kind of genius because that's not a thing people do when, with your main protagonists, you know, where they just don't say anything ever. Even when they're fighting, you know, animatronic, demonic beings, like just nothing. He's saying everything with his face, with his eyes, with all of that. And I thought that that was actually really great. Um, had this been a movie of just him only and the animatronic beings, literally the entire movie, I actually would have liked it better, probably. <laughs> um, I just think the dialogue was killing me in this movie. Like, it just was so bad. Name one and, bad line I mean, in this movie. One. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, just in general, like, when whoever it was that was explaining the, you know, like, I don't know, when she was like trying to tell like the backstory of stuff, like, I feel like that's sort of what gave me that Thanksgiving vibe where the guy randomly was like, oh, well, you haven't heard this story. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyways, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just in general, like, I, and the thing is, now that you put me on the spot with it, I can't even think of a single specific line of dialogue because it was so not memorable. <laughs> like, it, I the think only it, thing... What you're looking for is that there are none. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, even like the scene with, um, like, the two people who go into whatever part of the little fun house and they're having sex. Like, it legitimately... I mean, I could be wrong, but it didn't even look like they were actually having sex. Like the way. Well, yes, it is a movie, Heather. They're not actually having sex. It's called acting. Correct. But not acting well enough in the sense that it looked like it was real. Like the acting is supposed to be believable. And I just was like, just like the way, like her motion when she's like on top of him, I'm like, (laughs) it looks like, She's trying to do a dance move and like, I don't know. It was just very awkward looking, but, um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe that was just me. That was one of the sexiest sex scenes I've ever seen in my life. That sex scene was the antithesis of, 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 uh, showgirls (laughs) is what it was. It was hot. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, to each his own, I suppose. (laughs) For me, I feel like it didn't even look believable, <laughs> but you know, it's, that's just me. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it was just so campy and, you know, ridiculous, but it was still humorous. You know what I mean? Like it just, the situations and even just the whole idea of this movie is so insane, but somehow parts of it do work. And like the, when you just explained it in, in your short synopsis that you gave, like, 
you know, of Nicolas Cage <laughs> having to work overnight in this place and <laughs> demonic things coming at him while he says no words and he fights them. That sounds like a, you know, intriguing movie. Honestly, I'd be like, you know what? I might watch that. But again, if it had been only that, I, that would have been more enjoyable because everything Nicolas Cage was doing, like, it was very, it was so Nicolas Cage, <laughs> which is, you know, take that for what you will, but just like, you expect it. At this point, at least for me, when Nicolas Cage is in something, I have an expectation of what that's going to be. And he met it, but he also, he met it in a, in a positive way in this sense. And he did actually make this movie the enjoyable parts of this movie. And I just, I, I just liked what he did with this role. I thought it was good. And um, yeah, it's just, I, I do, you know what though? I will say that the, the creepy like music that they would slow down that are supposed to be like the, you know, fun, like almost kid song type songs, but they slow them down and make them real creepy. They actually did that pretty well in this too. I'll give them that. And just the, <laughs> I don't know, just the, the way in which he's going around and killing all these robotic things. It's, it's entertaining to see it. I just really could have done pretty much without anybody else in the movie. That's all I'm saying. But again, that's just preference. That's just me. But, um, I mean, it's, it's not even like a very, for me, I mean, you know, it's an art movie for you, Sterling, that's fine. I didn't really get much out of this. Like there was no specific moral. There was no nothing. It was just like watching a mindless, like just fun, silly movie. And that's fine for what it was, but there's no, like, there's no depth. There's no really analysis to do of anything that was happening. And that's totally fine. But I guess for me, that's why, I mean, I can't really specifically pinpoint, like, in this moment, this, like, it, none of it was believable. And that's the point. It's supposed to be ridiculous. So it's not the fact that the entire movie was that ridiculous. It was just, like, the, the premise of it I can get behind, but just certain scenes, like that scene with them supposedly having sex and like just things like that where I'm just like this is a little bit too cheesy and ridiculous so it's like the the cheesiness within the cheesiness parts that kind of I could have done without but that's all I'm saying and again it's the the idea of the movie is different and I didn't completely hate the idea of the movie I just honestly could have done it without anybody else in it except for Nicolas Cage and those animatronic things which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. So <laughs> that's kind of just where I sit with it. I don't know. Astounding. That's all I have for now. Astounding. <laughs> like, I am in utter awe right now. Like, this movie introduced me to my new acting crush. Like, almost on par with Naomi Scott with Emily Tosta. Okay. <laughs> She's just somebody that should be always watched in movies. And should be in all movies. Just preposterous. Justin, your turn. Go. All right. So, yeah. And Heather, I think that something that you indicated is a similar to, I guess, just one of the, the problems that I have with this movie. But to talk first just about some things that I liked about it. Um, 
like you said, I did. I, I was digging the music, man. You know, there was a lot of rock stuff in here. Um, the the spooky birthday song I thought was a good song. You know, it's your birthday, it's your birthday, whatever that song mm-hmm. was. It that was that was right. That was creepy enough, and it had a good atmosphere and everything. Uh, kind of what Sterling was talking about earlier with some of the with, with the with the look of some of the animatronics and stuff. I did like all of that. You know, I'm always down to see more like natural effects and things like that. Well, they're special effects, but, you know, done with less computers and more like just human ingenuity and stuff like that. Sometimes there's just an authenticity to that. And sometimes it does look better for sequences and stuff like that. And sometimes computer graphics and CGI can look incredibly fake. So it was nice to see animatronics used and different things like that. And I do think that some of the, the, the animal members of Willy's Wonderland, they did have a good look to them and they looked spooky and, and at times and things like that. Um, as, but I feel like the problem with this movie though is that it's just kind of caught in that weird purgatory, kind of like that weird limbo where it's not scary enough to where, you know, you're, there are jump scares or it gives you that sense of dread or anything like that because it's really more campy and comedic and stuff like that. So it, so it's not scary enough to kind of give you those feelings, even though this stuff is creepy looking and they, there were scenes where I felt like they tried, like there are parts so I think that were meant to jump scare and stuff like that. But I just don't know how effective those scenes were. But at the same time, it's supposed to be campy and kind of funny and stuff like that. But I don't know. I like my when I when I when I watch 80s camp and, you know, homage to like older, older stuff like this. I just I don't know. And that's what I mean by if it was better written. I just like it when it's smarter. I just like it when there's a little more satire. I just like it when there's just a little bit more to sink your teeth into. And like you said, Heather, there's a lack of depth on that side, too. So essentially what you have is just something that's very, very simple. It's very, very straightforward. And there's and and like I said, beyond the premise of Nicolas Cage being kind of this silent but deadly hero, which uh, obviously we've seen before in tons of movies, comes to this this strange, this mysterious stranger. You know, if you've seen just about any Western, you've seen it before, like this mysterious stranger that comes to this town and this town has this dark history and he's the badass that can fix the problem. We've seen that movie before. But what was cool about this was that they took that premise and they put this guy in like a Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. And what if the villains were like this cast of characters in this Chuck E. Cheese or in this case, Willie's Wonderland or whatever. And I thought that that was cool. I thought that that concept was very cool. But when you but but the more I watched the movie, the more it just kind of felt kind of like this one trick pony kind of like, okay, pretty much the way it goes in there is Nicolas Cage <laughs> pops some punch pops. Nicolas Cage destroys <laughs> animatronic Willie monster. And then we have more scenes with people 
that because this isn't very well written, I don't care about them. And they're talking and they're trying to act and they're nowhere near as good as Nicolas Cage. So all I'm doing when those scenes are going on is going, where is Nicolas Cage? And then when it gets to Nicolas Cage, okay, he's being cool. He's looking into the camera. He's dancing around. He's drinking more punch pops. And then the second animatronic monster comes and then he beats them up too. And then that's kind of the pattern of this movie. But but it's not like there's interesting choreography or very interesting situations. It's just him in a room with one of these things. And sometimes there's another character who doesn't do much or gets killed or whatever the case may be, but it's pretty much just him beating down these animatronic things. And it's kind of just one note. I don't know if y'all felt that way, but that's the way I kind of felt after the third or fourth time he deboed one of these things. It was kind of like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know. It it just felt like it was on repeat until uh, until the end for me. So there wasn't really much here to sink my teeth into. It wasn't clever enough with the jokes or with anything that was happening to, I guess, be smart or intelligent in that way. But it wasn't scary enough because it it was trying to be campy. So that's kind of what it winds up being. It's just kind of. You know, Nicolas Cage just running down these things. And then, um, but I did like the story of it. I, I, I thought that that was, I actually didn't have a problem with the story. When the cop was narrating and kind of telling us how this all happened and these killers basically did this satanic ritual and transferred themselves into these animals and all of that stuff. I was down with that. I was like, you know what? That's cool. You know, I, I, I appreciate that story, but uh, it's funny that Sterling led that you mentioned that character, Emily Tosta's character live. Like I, I really wish that, and I don't know if this is just because of the actress, the actress's limitations or if it was just, again, the limitations of this script. But that character seemed like she was going to get like a full circle moment there. You know, it seemed like that that character, like that character had the history with the town. You know, her parents were murdered. So I just fully expected there to be like this tag team moment at the end. I thought that maybe when Nicolas Cage was kind of getting beat up by uh, Willie the Beaver, which then he just kind of no sold it and got up and said, okay, let me go back here and pop some more punch pops. But, you know, I, I thought for sure that when she escaped that one, uh, the, 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 the Mexican stereotype animatronic man, I Carumba or whatever he was saying, whenever Liv escaped him, I thought for sure that she was going to come back, maybe save Nicolas Cage or, you know, help him in some sort of way. Or they were going to like team up and she was kind of going to get some revenge because, you know, that story came full circle for her. That, that I, I just felt like there was a moment there where she could have got more. And then it was kind of disappointed when she just shows up after it's all over at the end. And she's like. I'm going to get in Nicolas Cage's car because he's cool and I want to be his boyfriend. Okay, cool. But, you know, with all the story that they gave that character, that just felt that was kind of a letdown for me. I was like, oh, man, you know, why wasn't she involved in that last kill with Willie or whatever? So, you know, I thought that was a missed opportunity. 
But yeah, like, uh, but other than that, you know, this is pretty much one note. And I guess that's the biggest problem I had with it. Like, I loved all the cinematography. Nicolas Cage was was awesome in this, and he was great. But when he wasn't on screen, boy, did this thing suffer. And, you know, that sex scene that you're talking about, Heather, yeah, that wasn't, yeah, that that wasn't any good. But uh, a lot of scenes with Nicolas Cage weren't any good. And then you you were pretty much just sitting there buying your time until he was on the screen. And then when he was on the screen, I just wish we had done more interesting things with his battles with the animatronics. So, in a, in, so in a nutshell, that's where I kind of fell with this. It's fun. It got some laughs out of me. It was okay, but kind of like you, Heather, I, I kind of agree. I struggled to find something about this that would be memorable other than Nicolas Cage's performance. And if that's the only thing, there are far other movies with better Nicolas Cage performances. So that that's just kind of where I landed with this film. One trick. One trick. I mean, Justin, would you tell Tony Hawk to not do the 900? Would you tell The Rock <laughs> to not do the people's elbow? Would you take? Would you walk up to Stone Cold and be like, "Hey, Mr. Stone Cold, how about you not do the Stone Cold Stunner?" I mean, come on, dude. Would you walk up to Kenny Omega and be like, "Hey, Kenny Omega, don't do the One Winged Angel." No, would but you, if that's all he does in the match, then would you you'll go, probably get some complaints. Would you go, <laughs> "Hey, Mr. Iron Mike Tyson, how about you don't punch people in this boxing match?" I mean, Justin, Justin, some people have signature moves and Nicolas Cage as the janitor had the signature move of beating animatronic ass. (laughs) Let the man do his job. I liked the fact that she didn't get that full circle moment because it's not really what it was about. She didn't need to get the revenge herself. She just needed the cycle of human sacrifice to stop. That's what mattered to her more than her own petty wants and desires of vengeance. She just wanted it to stop. She didn't care who did it. She just wanted it to stop. And to me, that's profound. I mean, how many movies do you get that when a character has something like that happen to them in their past and it not just be about vengeance? She looked above her own wants and desires to go, what is truly good for humanity? Stopping these demon serial killer animatronic robots and she got her wish and also justin she's not she doesn't want nicholas cage to be her boyfriend they have a they have a platonic relationship just completely centered around stopping serial killer robots this isn't one of those movies that's going to force them together or anything like that no it's beyond that it's more pure i mean you 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 guys brought up like some of the stuff with like the scariness and stuff like that This movie wasn't trying to give you jump scares in your traditional sense. It gave you those-esque. It kind of gives you you the hint of jump scares. But this movie knows it's played out. This movie knows it doesn't need it. And I know you you guys are ragging on the performances of these other people. That's okay. They didn't need to be good actors. You know why? They were there to die in fun ways. And boy, howdy. Did those motherfuckers die in some great ways? <laughs> I mean, do you guys even remember that scene with Dwight's babysitter getting just punched in half by Willie? Fucking great. <laughs> and my cat is in my sound box. 
and he's going to get stuck. And my cat knocked over my microphone. I knew it was going to happen. I just kind of wanted to see how far he'd go. I shouldn't let him do that. Anyway, can you guys, can everybody still hear me? Yes. Yeah, no, because it's my fat boy. My fat boy is in my sound box. So it's, he's a biggin. Anyway. But like I did, I truly, I loved, I loved it whenever all of these kids died. It was great. I loved it when the chameleon was like, hey, I'm not going to kill you. Because why? She's a chameleon. Oh, oh, the way this movie twists things. Loved it. It was telling you the whole time, based on what animal it was, what was going to happen. And no one saw it coming. No one saw that that chameleon was going to do what that chameleon did. No one at all. But it did. Because it was blending in. It was blending in like a mere trapped, tortured soul that wanted to help the children's. But it didn't. And it murdered one. It was great. I mean, when they're they're standing there and they're all talking about Willie and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then that that fucking knight just comes through and impales that man. Like, this was the beginning of Devil May Cry. And Dante <laughs> was getting rebellion for the first time. Or what, what was that sword? Whatever sword he got. It wasn't rebellion. I think that's the one he technically already had. Anyway, that sword that just Alistair. impales. Yes, Alistair. When it just impales him. Oh, that was glorious. I mean, those scenes of him just sitting there high on cocaine, drinking energy drinks, and playing pinball, just straight up giving me Caster Troy face the whole time. Oh, perfection. <laughs> and I don't think it's fair to this movie, Justin, to say that it was using an animatronic that was like a, a Hispanic stereotype. Because I don't think that this movie was actually using a stereotype in that. I think this movie was mocking the fact that most places like a Chuck E. Cheese or any of these animatronically themed restaurants with animals, they always have that one animal that's of another culture that is a stereotype. And I think they're making fun of that, not perpetuating the stereotype themselves. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, it was just, I, I mean, I didn't really speak to the motive or what they were trying. I was just calling it what, it what I saw. So, I mean, it was what it was. But, you know, if the point was to sort of have some sort of commentary about it, then cool. But I mean, Justin, I'm yeah. just saying, there was the subtext there. There was the depth there. You just wouldn't let it in, Justin. <laughs> you wouldn't let it into your cold, jaded heart. <laughs> that must have been it. I mean, I think that there is something immaculate and just utterly satisfying about the simplicity of this movie. I mean, this movie is funny. And while it is, you know, like I said, of the horror genre in the slasher realm of things, I don't think it was meant to be your traditional, like, you know, oh, let's scare you things. I think it was just meant to just give you gore whenever you needed gore. And that's what this movie does. And that's more of a modern take of the slasher genre. I say modern. I mean, we've been doing these since the eighties. I mean, it's right up there with Jason takes Manhattan of there's no real jump scares or anything in that movie. All it is is just people fucking dying. And you know what? Sometimes in a movie, people need to fucking die. And that's what this movie does. All the right people die. None of the wrong people die. It's beauty in its simplicity. I mean, even down to the fight choreography, because this isn't meant to be something of a, of a John Wick or, or even a Born Supremacy or even a, I don't know, just same, name some other fucking action movie. 
not meant to be those. It's meant to be a guy brawling it out with demonic animatronics. And that's what it was. And I mean, I don't know how you can say he no-sold getting attacked by Willie. He made all he made wincing noises, Jast, and this guy didn't even talk and he made wincing noises. How is that no-selling? He winced to it. I mean, come on. I don't know what more you want. If I got slashed by an animatronic beast, am, am, I, am I not allowed to wince, Jastin? Can I wince? <laughs> he got slashed, hell, and then he just got up. Yeah, <laughs> because he was <laughs> tough. He's a tough man, Jastin. Why, why, why can't a man be tough anymore? You know, if you use a tough guy, you be tough. He was tough, yet sensitive. I mean, just the layers upon layers. I mean, this, mo- this man is the definition of somebody being an onion with so many layers. He was like, if you took a seven-layer cake and put it on top of a seven-layer cake, then put that inside a seven-layer cake. So many layers. I mean, <laughs> I just don't know what more you need. Well, there were a lot of layers that they just really didn't explain to us. Like, I mean, why did the punch power, why did the punch pops power him up? Because they were Why was he drink. tough? I mean, was he just... It was just an energy Why drink. was he capable of beating them, but nobody else was? You know, what, what made him special? You know, you just didn't know anything. He was just... He just showed up. What makes was the like, sky Man, blue, Justin? I got a job to do. I got a job to do. I got to clean. And that's all we knew. He just was a man on a mission. Yeah, he was just doing his job. And I guess what, that's some, why can't a man that's do his all job? you need sometimes. Why, why does a man need uh, some <laughs> other reason to do his job? Other than it's his job, Justin. He's just a, got a good work ethic. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, in all seriousness. That was it. That's I truly, pretty much all he had. I truly loved that we didn't get that explanation. At a certain point in this movie while watching it, I thought we were going to get like a gigantic exposition dump from the Nicolas Cage character. I thought we were going to end up getting that scene where he, him and like the, the, the girl and maybe the sheriff or something would be sitting there or hiding from something or whatever, and he would just give this huge dump about how he's related to somebody that was killed there and all this other bullshit. I thought we were going to get that. And then, at some point, I realized that we weren't. And also, at that moment is when I was completely ready for this movie, for this character, to never say a word. Because at one point, I wanted it. But then I got to the point where I'm like, they need to do this. They need to score this goal. They need to finish this race. They need to get the gold medal and finish this movie with the audacity of having Nicolas Cage say no words. And by God, they did. And I loved that. I appreciated that. I loved that. Yeah, we got some explanations for some stuff and we didn't for others because I don't I didn't think that everything needed to be explained. I just really kind of loved the fact that like Nicolas Cage didn't fuck with these robots until they weren't on stage. I loved that. I loved that there was this weird honorable code to this man. That like when they were standing there and they were going to attack these monsters on the stage when they were just standing there, Nicholas Cage grabs them and he's like, no, no, no. It's not how we roll and takes away the knife. I know how he does it by not saying a goddamn thing. <laughs> and you just, it really is great that he doesn't. You just get to learn it as you go. This movie just unravels bit by bit as you go. And it's just weaving you through this tapestry of, of violence and humor 
and Nicolas Cage faces and robot oil blood all over the place and horny bad teenager blood all over the place. I mean, I have never felt so alive in my life. And I like the fact that, like, the siren didn't die. And I thought the siren was going to, like, pop up in the backseat of his car or on his car and try to attack them. And they didn't do that. She just exploded the other people and then killed herself at the same time. I thought it was great. And then I like how he got the one last animatronic that had escaped him. Well, not even really escaped him, but had escaped. And I'm like, oh, I guess they won't explain that. But they did. They knew what they were doing. They covered their bases. All the demon animatronic animals were dead at the end of this movie. So glorious. And he gets his car back. Oh, that's so great. It's a very heartwarming story. <laughs> this man did his job and got his promised payment. Oh, man. If, that, if that's not alone, the argument for this man's work ethic, Justin, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> I mean, next thing I know... Jasmine would walk up to Pablo Picasso and be like, hey, Pablo, how about you try not painting something? I mean, would you walk up to Meryl Streep and have the audacity to tell her to not get nominated for another Academy Award, Jasmine? <laughs> You're like really confusing because I don't understand how that relates to anything that I said, but no, I would not tell because her Because, Jasmine, if you really think about it, that's her move. <laughs> that's her move, Jasmine. That's her <laughs> version of beating up an animatronic animal. But... That's not really what I'm talking about. You just went on this tangent about wrestling holds and all this and signature moves and all of this stuff. All I'm saying is, is just do some more creative things with the fights. Yes, Nicolas Cage can beat up all the the animatronic dolls or whatever, but, you know, do, do, do some different things like have, you know, maybe there could have been something on some stairs or so we could have fought on the roof or we could have, you know, th there are more things that you could do. I'm not saying that this needed to be a Marvel movie with martial arts, uh, you know, choreography. I'm just saying, get a little, uh, just a little more creativity with what you're doing. You know, and and that doesn't take martial arts. That just takes more imagination. Same thing with um, explaining a little bit about the character, because as you've as we've said plenty of times, the character can't speak. So uh, cool. What would have been cool is if we saw some sort of flashback where he's not speaking, but things are happening and we get an idea of who the character is. And that could have been. Two minutes, that could have been a minute, that, and that could have been fun. It could have been something like, and then it could have even been something stupid because that's kind of what this movie hangs its hat on. It's all just kind of crazy and kind of stupid. So, you know, you could have had anything. It could have been two parents and, you know, the the janitor's a kid and he's still wearing janitor clothes. And then his parents are like, hey, look, we got you some of your favorite dolls. And then he blows him up in his backyard and he's laughing maniacally and the parents are like, we have a crazy son. You could have done a hundred different things and that explains why he hates these things. You know, th there could have been a, a myriad of things that, that you could have done that would have been fun and we didn't have to hear any talking. I, I'm just saying, I think some more creative touches with this would have made it better, you know? And then that's all I'm really saying. I mean, but at the same time, is why we why do we need his backstory? We don't need it. it. Wasn't necessary. I mean, his character just was what it was. 
that's the whole point of the characters to have that mystery. The point of the characters lost if you if you don't have it. If you don't have the mystery behind what he's doing, you lose it. You lose what makes his character special. Because then you acknowledge the fact that he just is, you know, blowing up toy animals or some shit. Like, it ruins that he just walks in and he's just cleaning. And also, let's talk about how amazing of a cleaner this man is. He actually still cleaned up that entire restaurant the entire time. This man's work ethic is impeccable. But... Like that's like that's the the what what makes the character special is that he just he does it. He literally views it almost as a version of him still doing the job of cleaning the restaurant. If they fuck with him, he fucks them up. And it's great. And I mean, I don't know what else you need. He chokes the chameleon with its own tongue. He pries open the, the alligator's mouth. I mean, so much of it plays in like smart ways. Like when he's just sitting there and crushing the sides of the siren's head with his thighs. Or whenever he's beating Willie to death with a bag of energy drinks and two taped up mop sticks. I mean, variation, hood variation. And then, and yeah, at Big Willie, who just kind of stood there and watched all his people die, then decided to get in the fight. I mean, why not fight with him? I mean, where was where was he? What was he doing while he was everybody, the final while boss, all of his Justin. people were getting deboed? He was the final <laughs> boss. You don't see Shao Kahn rolling up <laughs> just sit there after wait. the second fighter when you're on the tournament. No. But you have to get to Shao Kahn. They're all in the same building. They were all there. Man, but yeah, more they're all Kombat, there they're on, on the same island. He just stood there. But that's an island. We're talking about a building, Sterling. A room. Yeah. And what, a is, what is a building that's not just an indoor <laughs> what are you island? talking about? Is it just an indoor island? <laughs> but, and it's a it tournament. A it's, it's it tournament a rules. It's a tournament rules. You have to fight other people to get to become a finalist and all of that kind of stuff. That's not what this is. Well, he could have just fought with his minions and he chose not to. He chose to watch them die Jasmine. and then say, okay, maybe I should have the problem, handle the problem now that everybody's gone. So I'm just saying, man, it's just another one of those things. You do you know? remember, <laughs> do you remember the Ninja Turtles side scrolling arcade game? Not Turtles in Time, but the one before it. Yeah. Yeah. Do we not see Shredder at the beginning of that game? When he runs in and grabs April and escapes or whatever. I'm just saying, he's there. He's present in the opening levels. Why didn't he just join in with the Foot Clan and fight the turtles then? Because he's the final boss, Jastin. Well, he's one of them. Like, you have to you, you have to earn his fight. And that's what this guy had to do for Willie. Willie didn't think he had earned a, his right to fight him yet. Okay. I mean, in, in all jokes aside... <laughs> I really did view it as that, like as a video game. Like to me, it was like a version of something like a Mortal Kombat or any of these other games where it's just like, no, you don't fight me. I choose when I fight you. You have to beat everybody else. It takes like a special circumstance for him to truly get involved. You have to make it past the lackeys because what is his ideal scenario? A lackey kills you and he just walks up and eats you. That's all he wants to do. He just wants the, he, he expected the ostrich to kill this man. He could walk up and just eat some, eat some man. That's Willie. That's Willie. That's just who Willie is, Justin. He's the final okay. boss. He is the Shao Khan. He is the M. Bison. 
he is what's his name ogre isn't ogre one of the final bosses in tekken yeah ogre true ogre well cool i guess he's if he's that he's that i'll just take your word for it since the narrative didn't really bother to tell me that so my mistake yeah justin it didn't tell you it showed you yeah i did that showed (laughs) Showed, uh yeah it showed him just sitting there waiting and watching his people man like a final boss i mean justin do you not remember in Mortal Kombat when Shao Kahn, or not Shao Kahn, well, yeah, Shao Kahn and Shang Tsung, when they're just sitting in a level watching you fight the other man? Because you hadn't earned the right to fight them yet. They just watch you fight. Yeah, but this isn't a tournament. These were criminals who had transferred their bodies into these things. So what, I mean, if they were coming out and killing children and all that kind of stuff, what honor would they have? Why would there be this honor to wait for him to have to earn. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, Sterling. They were killing children. It's, it's not an honor. Thing, they were Justin. ruthless. They were ruthless. They were supposed to be these ruthless killers. So be ruthless. Why are you sitting there waiting, kid? Yeah, be Justin, ruthless. it has nothing to do with honor, though, Justin. It's the hierarchy of things. I mean, Willie is the CEO. Other people are supposed to do that job. And he's supposed to get the rewards. Mm-hmm. His his employees, i.e. the other animatronics, were supposed to kill the janitor. And he's supposed to get some some sacrificial meat out of it. It was all there, just right in front of us. I saw it clear as day. Clear as day. I just can't believe you expect the CEO to just run out there and do the someone else's job. I mean, Justin, this isn't an episode of Undercover Boss. You know, Willie wasn't being put in prosthetics and going, oh. I'm not Willie. I'm one of the other animatronics. You know, one of the ones that kills people first. Shh, come on, Justin. Come on, Justin. Although that would be a good movie. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. <laughs> would have been better than this. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say it would be better than this one? I heard no such thing. <laughs> just betrayal. I have just never watched a more complete movie in my life. It had everything. It had drama, violence. Action, romance, just everything. Betrayal, heartbreak, just everything. Everything you could ever want in a movie is in this movie. You guys have any more thoughts about this one? I do not, no. <laughs> I'm good. Well, on that note, on that disappointing note, on that sad note, <laughs> on that utter bamboozlement of a note, Thank you for listening to this episode of the Semislayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.semislayers.com or Facebook, where we're Cinemaslayers Podcast, or Twitter and Instagram, where we are Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, give us a rating and review if you can. That'd be really great, especially if it's five stars. That really helps us out. Tell your family, tell your friends. Like I always say, tell your mother, because mothers just fucking love me. You know what else mothers love? Psychotic-ass Nicolas Cage. So tell your mom about this movie, because it's <laughs> fucking great. And she'd probably love it. And then she'd just be utterly disappointed in Heather and Jastin for not appreciating this <laughs> fucking cinematic masterpiece that's presented them coming in at a cool 87 minutes long and just utterly disappointing them and loving me even more. Already skipping past my typical mother-loving charm. And they would just fall even more in love with me and want to adopt me as a surrogate child. <laughs> and just remember, according to Jastin, Moon Knight, much like... Willie's Wonderland should be as a Best Picture winner. 
paper shadows. It's time to do the Mario. Do the Mario. Swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time. Let's go do the Mario. Take one step. again. That's how you go. You go do the Mario. Just like that. And watch this fucking movie because it's great. Fuck these guys. <laughs>